Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Ego Chop Podcast. And my name is Preston Byers. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Mikowski. And on today's episode, we have a gigantic lawsuit between two of the most popular and most well-known people in Call of Duty esports history and Activision Blizzard, which is um, quite big news, I think. Um, and the CDL has returned um, after the Major 1 break uh, at following Major 1, and we are finally into Major 2 qualifying matches, uh, the whatever, five, six weeks that we have of them. Um, so we'll be talking about those matches as well as next week's matches. Uh, but before we get to any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing all right. Like you said, uh, pretty, uh, not really hectic is the right word, but uh interesting week of uh developments in call of duty and the return of actual action so we got some decent stuff to talk about yeah so the the biggest news obviously is that hex and skump are suing activision blizzard um so this broke on what was this thursday um this the 15th or 16th something um, like that yeah yeah so so it was later last week before the cdl matches um it was announced that they're suing activision blizzard to the tune of 680 million dollars in damages um so this is a lawsuit uh filed jointly between them um so it's hex scump and then hex llc uh which is hex's uh limited liability company um, and they're suing Activision Blizzard on the grounds or with charges that um, Activision Blizzard is essentially running a monopoly um, with the CDL uh, that they forced players into signing contracts um, that you know limit the opportunities that they can have that um, fifty percent of all sponsorship revenue um, that the teams make that that goes to the league. Um, you know, there's there's quite a bit. Um, and, and I think one of the bigger parts was that um, Hex accused uh, Activision Blizzard of not allowing him to solely own a CDL franchise. And and what he said was he was forced to merge with Envy and Envy uh, acquired the Optic brand. Uh, and that, that's how we have Optic Texas after we had the Dallas Empire run by Envy. Um, and for, I think, just one season, we had Optic Chicago after um, Hex acquired the, the Optic brand or NRG acquired the Optic brand from OGLA. Um, so, you know, obviously a lot of minutiae in terms of um, the legalese that if you want to read the whole thing, you, you can go and do that. Um, I don't really know why you do that, um, but uh, Breaking Point did put up a nice uh, little, you know, little graphic um, that kind of breaks down what each of the charges that uh, Hex and Skump are levying against Activision Blizzard, what it actually means. Um, and it also breaks down uh, how much each charge um, they are trying to get out of. So, for example, $120 million um, it, uh, Hex Skump and Hex LLC, they accused uh, Activision of running an unlawful monopoly which damaged the Optic brand and IP, um, and it resulted in allegedly more than $100 million in losses. Um, obviously, this is a big thing. We're not quite sure how this will end up. Um, what was your initial reaction to all of this? Because, I mean, it is definitely the biggest story in Call of Duty esports. 
Yeah, I mean, initially for me, the the initial coverage of the lawsuit seemingly suggested that the lawsuit reportedly involved other CDL owners and in organizations. Uh, later, after more reading the fine print, uh, it was determined seemingly that it's only uh, Hex and Scump and those guys with optics. So that was definitely a, a I don't want to say it was a twist, but it, that kind of, you know, shifted my uh, thinking a little bit on the lawsuit. Um, I did see on Twitter and discussions around it that, you know, like initially it seemed like this could have been a play speaking on this as when it seemed like this was first a potential lawsuit from multiple CDL owners. Um, some discussion around this potentially being a lawsuit with the thought process of uh, potentially moving, trying to push forward or, or speed up the process that happened with the Overwatch League where um, Activision, you know, offered like buyouts and stuff and kind of dissolved the Overwatch League to what the, I don't even know the new name to be honest, it's like Championship Series or Overwatch Championship Series or something. Yeah. Um so that was my initial thought and I, I saw that online too and that kind of like you know got the gears turning for me was like if, if multiple owners were doing this maybe that's what they're trying to you know get the gears turning on this that process potentially for the cdl since it just happened with the overwatch league um a little bit of a different situation now that it's just hex and scump uh potentially maybe that's like part of this and could be an element in trying to uh, speed up the process but I'm not going to be pretend to be a legal expert or anything like that so I don't really know um there definitely was was some interesting things uh being discussed around the topic and and all that uh like you kind of mentioned that that one where um the the allegation that Activision potentially didn't want uh hex solely owning a team was definitely an eye opener um obviously whether that's true or not will potentially be uh determined in court and and all that um but i think i do think that's uh an interesting component of this as well again not a legal expert here at all but if this did go to court um i know one of my friends uh who just ca casually follows uh, Call of Duty suggested that this should the uh, the trial should be televised, kind of like the uh, the Johnny Depp situation there and, and all that stuff. Which that that could be some interesting content. So, um, yeah, not gonna pretend to really know what's gonna happen from this. It's it's definitely um, an an interesting and eye opening situation. Um, there is, however, a world where you know this grabs headlines now and. It's going to potentially be a very, very long time until we hear anything in regards to this. And then there's a world where, you know, they settle this out of court and whatever. And we just don't really hear much outside of that unless obviously Hex or Scump decide to, uh, you know, spill the beans on, on what's going on. So, uh, yeah, definitely something, you know, I did not have on my 2024 bingo card, uh, Hex and Scump suing Activision, but here we are. Yeah, it's a weird situation. I'm not really sure how to feel about it. Um, obviously, Activision Blizzard has done a horrible job at running the CDL. Um, 
like it hasn't it hasn't advanced Call of Duty esports like in any real way, um, in my opinion at least. And I can see why specifically Hex and Skump would be upset with how things turned out for them, uh, because it, just in the case of Skump, I know that he had talked about it in the past when he was a player about how Activision Blizzard uh, was blocking his sponsorship, like specific sponsorships that he was being offered. Um, and that plays into what he's alleging that they suppressed his wages um, and his ability to get sponsorships, um, which he's saying resulted in losses of more than $20 million. Um, so I, I, I do think that is, that is something um, like that specific part of Activision Blizzard, you know, allegedly uh, suppressing his ability to acquire sponsorships. I do think that is a real thing. Um, and with Hex, the allegation that they didn't, that Activision Blizzard did not want someone like him, which I think was the exact quote, to own a CDL franchise. That's interesting because it kind of, it can be uh, seen as like kind of a racial or an ethnicity thing. Um, and I know some people took it like that. I'm not quite sure if that's what it was meant to be because I also think that they just wanted billionaire NFL NBA owners, the guys that you see in like the luxury boxes at the Super Bowl. Those those people, I think, are what Activision Blizzard had in mind. Um, you look at Robert Kraft, who owns Oxygen Esports, uh, which owns the Boston Breach. Um you know, obviously Stan Kroenke and Kroenke Sports Entertainment, which own the uh, LA Gorillas, um, and there are quite a few. Why, you know, Hex would be excluded and 100 Thieves and Nade Shot would be included because the, the what Hex said was that he tried to buy OGLA's spot, I think, after the 2020 season, and they didn't the Activision Blizzard didn't want him to buy that spot. And then it ultimately was sold to 100 Thieves. And now the Los Angeles Thieves uh, are in that franchise spot. That just seems very weird to me why they would pick, you know, Nade Shot and 100 Thieves over Hex and the Optic brand, which is one of, if not the strongest brand in esports in general. Um, that just seems like a, an odd decision. Um and but but also like there's just been a lot of contention, right? Um, this whole off season, we've heard about Hex and Scump, Nade Shot, more uh, a ton of other people, a, a lot of fans specifically that have been talking against the CDL about going back to YouTube uh, exclusively. Um, Hex, Scump, Nade Shot, they all said it publicly, like it wasn't worth it. They wanted to stay on Twitch or or do the co-stream where you could uh, stream on Twitch and YouTube. Um, and I think a lot of fans agreed with that. And But it, it seems like that's not something that um, the other owners might have wanted. And that kind of plays into what you were talking about as well, that uh, initially it was believed that some other owners were supporting this and a part of this lawsuit when in fact they're they're listed as involuntary co-conspirators which mean which means that their hex and scump are alleging that they are helping enforce a monopoly in call of duty esports um granted i you know the fact that um you know the owners it, it's it's weird though because it they're allowed to have this monopoly like legally at least to this point um 
it's their game it's their their property essentially and they're they're allowed to kind of exclude anyone that they see fit um and like i was saying before we got on air um nintendo is notorious for this they shut down smash bros tournaments all the time just because like they don't want certain people to run it or they don't want this event to happen so they shut it down it's very unpopular people hate nintendo for it but i don't think it's ever been legally challenged and so so they're allowed to do it and activision blizzard is in that same vein right now where i don't think it's ever been legally challenged whether uh, a game publisher can just say you can't play our game and play another game you know you can't make money off of our game and then make money off of another game which is something that was also alleged that you know uh players weren't allowed to to stream or um you know broadcast any other you know esports games um outside of the cdl um so that you know there's a lot going on here uh, i'm not sure just like you what is legal what is actually going to happen um, I think it's interesting. It's definitely something to watch. I know the UFC is dealing with an antitrust um, lawsuit of their own that I think is going to trial in April. Um, so, that, you know, there's a lot of kind of monopoly uh, related lawsuits going on right now. And I think it's all in the best interest. Obviously, I want like monopolies are a bad thing in general. Like we've seen it with the CDL. Like there hasn't been like a quality control we're no better off than we were, you know, five years ago or whatever when the CDL started. So um, hopefully something good comes out of this, but I'm not quite sure if that will actually happen. Um, I don't know if you had any other thoughts on this stuff. Well, I was just going to say real quick, I mean, part of this, obviously this is uh, pure speculation, but at, at the end of the day, you know, regardless of what happens, whether this goes to court or they settle or whatnot, What's to theoretically stop Activision from saying, like, yeah, Hex and Scump can no longer be a part of Call of Duty esports now, right? Like, like, you know, what if that's somehow involved in, you know, yeah. the terms of this? Like, that's that's obviously, like, something Activision would greatly have to consider because of the the fan appeal, the massive backlash the move like that would uh, sure. lead in. And then not only, you know, like the, the fandom that optic brings to tournaments, live viewership and in-person viewership, scumps viewership and watch parties and stuff like there would be massive ramifications from something like that happening. But just, you know, again, speculating here, if, if something like that was potentially on the table, is that something Activision would do? Like, that, I feel like that's, like, probably on one very far extreme end of the spectrum of, in terms of potential outcomes. But um, it was something that popped into my head while you were talking. And, you know, again, not, no, no legal expertise here, and we're going to have to see how this plays out, but definitely an interesting one. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what what the solution or the outcome is here. Um, I, I don't think like some of these hold, some of the claims hold water. Um, granted, you know, I'm didn't go to law school. Um, I'm related to a lawyer, but that's about it. Um, but you know, like your child guest, probably not. She, she's more <laughs> into like real estate law, but, um, but I, I, I think with this lawsuit, it's kind of, 
you're in a tough spot because the CDL seems like it will come to an end at some point, you know, probably in the next year or maybe two years or whatever. And maybe this will speed up that process or make it easier for Activision Blizzard or Microsoft really, you know, because they now own all of this to be like, yeah, this just isn't worth our time and our money and the, the effort that it will go into. Um, and, and really like, maybe it's just trying to get a payday for hex and skump at the end of this um like i was saying before we went on air like if the cdl owners get a payout similar to what the overwatch league uh, owners got when they decided they were going to shut down the league i don't think hex and skump would necessarily be entitled to those payouts i think the payouts would instead go to like envy or you know whatever their their uh, parent company is called like someone like Hastro would be more you know it would benefit him more and, and scump he's a player so like i don't or a former player at that so i don't know really what he would get out of that um so maybe this is an opportunity for them to kind of recoup some of the losses that they they feel that they've uh, had over the years um I'm not quite sure. Um, obviously, we'll learn more about it as it goes along. I hope that it goes to trial just to kind of see what all comes out. Um, if to get that information public, that would be a big deal. Uh, but again, it's probably going to be a long process. Probably not going to have a satisfying conclusion, and it's yeah, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So um, we'll probably do periodic updates when we get new information. But I don't see this coming as like a weekly thing on the podcast that we talk about this lawsuit. Um, any other thoughts before we move on? All right, so let's talk about the matches. So the CDL, uh, I think a day after that lawsuit went public, the CDL came back for the major two qualifiers, which was great timing on their part. Um, so Friday, February 16th, uh, we had a few matches. Uh, we only had two. Um, you know, neither on paper seemed like incredible matchups, uh, but the first turned out that way. And the second uh, turned out to be a very good match. The first Miami versus Toronto. We talked about it last week. Miami had the Ultra and Atlanta phase on their schedule uh, this week, which is pretty much the worst combination of teams that you could face, um, especially uh, with Eric Boom coming into the lineup, making his CDL debut. That's like going right into the meat grinder. It's it's not a very fun experience. Uh, so Miami got swept by the Ultra um uh, and then Carolina and New York in that second match of the day New York ended up coming back reverse sweeping the Royal Ravens and winning uh, after a very disappointing major one um any takeaways uh, from these two matches on Friday yeah I mean kind of a theme throughout this entire week but um we saw in the Toronto Miami series, we saw Rio played in both maps one and two. So we saw the first Rio hardpoint and the first Rio search. Uh, since Rio joined the map pool, we saw it in total. That was the only Rio search of the week, but Rio hardpoint was played four, five times. It was played all three series on Sunday. Uh, played in Miami versus Phase. So yeah, four, and then in this Miami series. So yeah, five out of the eight series played it. Now, 
does that mean Rio is a good map, or does it mean that these teams are experimenting a little bit, trying to test the waters and expand their map pool potentially? Could be a yes to both of those, could be a no, mixed answer. Well, we won't know really till we get a better sample size, but um, it is kind of interesting to see a new map added and it being, you know, kind of thrown into the fire right away. Um, with the, uh, you know, just the general result there, kind of like you said, Miami had a tough schedule going up against the defending champs, and Toronto didn't take their foot off the gas and, and took care of business right there in, in their first match of this qualifier, picking up where they left off. Um, in the second match there between Carolina and New York, this is a rematch of the match where Carolina eliminated New York in uh, Major 1 to kind of solidify New York's lackluster performance at that Major. And, you know, first two maps is a nail-biter in the hard point, 252-45. The search, 6-1, wasn't even close, really. That was one thing we've talked about kind of extensively now uh, with this Carolina team since bringing in Fellow and TJ Halley is that, you know, they didn't have the practice in search, but... They have the players with a S&D background to potentially be a good search and destroy team. Um, and, you know, they're up 2-0 against New York after beating them at the major. Kind of, you know, starting to think, uh-oh, is this a giant red flag for New York? What's going on? And then New York flipped the script. Uh, they get their own 6-1 in the map 5, a 250 to 100 in the... Uh, the map for hardpoint, and uh, they're, they're able to close out a reverse sweep. So that was a uh, an, an interesting series there, especially for a rematch and for the first time seeing New York back in action after that subpar performance at Major 1. So it was important for them to respond, especially after going down uh, 0-2. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that, you know, it went map 5, but there were only really two close maps. You know, it was a blowout in the searches, and then you know, nearly a hundred point club hard point in that second one. Um, sub base always kind of delivers. It's just kind of a, it's kind of a shit show to be honest. Like it's, it, it I think it's the most hated hard point map by players, but um, the, the way it's set up, I think just leads to some of these really good competitive maps and, you know, 250, 245 is about as close as you can get. Um, impressive win uh, for New York, uh, Carolina, obviously uh, letting it slip away. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what you expect. Uh, you, you see it a lot in, in COD because, you know, good teams find a way most of the time. And these, you know, bad or middling teams, um, they have the capability of winning some of these matches against, you know, some of the better teams. Uh, but they also likely let it slip away uh, more times than not and we've seen Carolina um, struggle to put away some teams so um, you know not a great start to their uh, major two qualifiers but there are also quite a few uh, weeks of qualifiers to fill um, and, and we'll talk about their next match right now um, because they kicked off Saturday as well um, after getting uh, beaten by New York to finish Friday um, the Royal Ravens played Boston and this was interesting because obviously the breach were debuting a new iteration of their roster, Asim coming in for Capsital. And 
uh, I we both talked about it how we didn't know what to really make of the breach as with <laughs> it was pretty much half the league um, we said that about but um, Asim hadn't played in the CDL this season so far um, but he he looked pretty good Boston looked pretty good they end up winning this series three one. Um, to get their first win of the major two qualifiers. Any takeaway from Asim's, um, not CDL debut, but his CDL season debut um, in this new Boston, uh, this new look for Boston? Yeah, I mean, the the thing that really stood out to me in this one was, on, especially on the Carolina side, was it was another case of Gwyn playing very well in a losing effort. Uh he had 31 map one when they lose. Carolina wins the search, which uh, kind of goes back to what we talked about before of this potentially being a good search team. And now they got some reps under them. Obviously, they had a, a map five loss to uh, New York in the previous series, but that would mean they're two and one so far in search. So um, could be worse in that regard. But um you know, especially for a new team like Boston to see them come out and be strong in hard point, which is probably a lot more scrim than search and destroy makes a little bit of sense. Um, Asim in particular stood out in map three with 35 kills. And uh, the other thing, you know, might not, you know, be super shocking considering Boston uh, won all three respawns. But if we're looking at KD's, uh, all four players on Boston were positive. Uh, the lowest was actually Asim with a 1.04, but um, had the second most kills, only one behind Snoopy's 87 at 86, and Gwyn had 87 for Carolina. Uh, but on Carolina, Gwyn was the only player positive, and uh, the other three were in the 0.8 range, if I'm seeing that right. Yep, 0.8. So, um, yeah, obviously, Katie's not everything, but that's got to be a good sign for uh, Boston fans, especially, like you said, first match with Asim. Uh you know, not the, the toughest competition going up against Carolina, but you know, we've said it a billion times on this podcast now. You can only play the team put in front of you. So uh, Boston fans are probably happy to uh, start this qualifier off on a good note. I thought it was interesting that Carolina went 2-1 and one in search and went 0-2 oh in their matches uh, this week. Um, you know, that's that happens. New York is a good team. Boston, you know, we really don't know what their ceiling is with Asim in the lineup, so we're kind of figuring that out as we go through. I um, mean, they only had one match this week, so it's pretty small sample size uh, to go off of that. But um, I just thought it was interesting that Carolina, the the game mode that you would think that they, it would take the longest to adjust to, um, that they actually had you know quite a bit of success in those two matches, but uh, still weren't able to pick up wins. And uh, just real quick, too, Brian Saint tweeted after. Uh, this match here, uh, Brian St. being the head coach and GM, I think head coaching, yeah, head coaching and yep. GM of the Royal Ravens, uh, tweeted just incapable of closing right now. GG's the Boston lost 3 1. Could have very well been a 2 0 weekend with a 6 0 map count. Um, obviously, we mentioned uh, the reverse sweep with New York, but that's certainly um, an interesting way to look at it. It kind of speaks to um potentially where that mindset is for Carolina like you know there there are a lot of teams that would um probably be down after you know starting o2 and stuff but i think that's kind of like a positive mindset to have is like yeah we you know tighten up a few mistakes instead of being o2 we very well could have been 2 and 0 so um interesting way of looking at it and we'll have to see how they respond this week but um yeah 
Yeah, I think they have a, a decent chance of bouncing back next week. Just they only have one match, so they get to completely focus on that opponent. Um, they don't have to, you know, prepare for two. Uh, and the the team that they're playing also made a roster change, so it's it's kind of a, a double whammy there. Um, but uh, now we go to uh, the next match, which uh, was Atlanta and Miami. Um, like we talked about at the beginning of um, you know the segment, Miami had the two hardest opponents to to play, um, and they finished the week with uh, zero wins and two losses. Uh, now with Eric Boom in the lineup. Um, they, they did take a map off of Atlanta, which is an improvement over the 3-0 loss to Toronto. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's just going to happen. Like, you just... I, I think these are scheduled losses. Like, no matter what lineup it was going to be, I would have picked Miami to go 0-2, um, especially with how... Like, Toronto looked incredible at Major 1. Atlanta... I think only lost to Toronto at major one um, phase was definitively the second best team. So, you know, to lose to those two teams in the same week, um, it's bad luck. Of course, you don't want to start Owen two, but you know, you don't have to play him again, you know, for a little bit. So that's kind of the good news about it. Um, any thoughts on the series, the three, one win for Atlanta phase. I mean, this, we were just talking about, you know, alternate possibilities with Carolina, you know, in, in this series, Miami wins the map one by 99 points, uh, goes to a round 11, and map two, if, if that round 11 goes the other way, Miami's potentially up 2-0 in this series, and then who knows what happens from there. Um, but obviously, that's not how this one played out. So yeah, like like you said, tough to judge. Uh, the new look Miami team off of these two matches, especially when uh, kind of expected results going up against the teams that came in first and second at the first major of the year. So um, we'll be interested to see how Miami responds against, you know, whoever they're playing this this upcoming week. It can't be the teams that came in first and second. So they technically, the, the schedule only gets easier from him uh, from, from this point on for them now. So... Um, yeah, the other the other bit of news attached to Miami that's interesting is Ray Al, uh, who was on Carolina earlier this year and had some uh, visa issues, has been signed by Miami as a substitute. Um, I think this is a little interesting considering Miami was one of those few teams that already had a substitute, had a five-man roster, already dipped into that five-man roster. Uh, so now they technically have a six-man roster. What does that mean for, you know, journey's potential future with this team or is like real kind of just like sliding in to be that true sub and then journey's kind of just in the background uh you know not really sure what that is there but uh to me it, it's obviously uh a, a credit to uh real that he's getting an opportunity uh this soon after the visa issues and all that it would have would have sucked if um you know, something out of his control really just hindered him. And it still technically is because he's not actually uh, in the league competing on a starting spot, but um, this is the, the closest step to getting back to that reality. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I think, you know, it, it's interesting that especially a newer team uh, like Miami being willing to, you know, spend in theory they have to 
sign Real to a minimum contract at the at the lowest there, at least a minimum contract. So at least spending fifty thousand dollars to get him as a sub in theory, I guess. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll have to see if it actually materializes into anything. But it's an option for them, especially if. Uh, things continue to go the way that they went this past week for Miami. But again, small sample size for a new roster against two juggernauts in the league. Uh, so not expecting Real to be thrown in right now. We'll have to see how Miami does against the rest of the league. Yeah. I I mean, they're kind of cornering the market on Spanish Call of Duty players at this point. They have six players under contract, all, uh, all Spanish. Um, I don't know if there's any other spanish call of duty players like in the cdl at least um but i mean i th- I think it fits perfectly for them because it's kind of a a low risk high reward signing because real wasn't benched because of his performance like you said it was a v the visa issues i mean carolina i think at some point was just like we have to move on like we can't just keep holding out hope you know we got to you know, stick with TJ in this spot. Um, and they and Carolina did look better uh, with TJ. Granted, it was also with Fellow uh, replacing Goddard so that's kind of a um, that that's also a difference. Um, but Carolina, you know, they moved on from Real, uh, and Miami is the beneficiaries of that if he can get his visa issues fixed um, and resolved and become a CDL player again. I do think. If he is able to, um, you know, figure out all those issues, then he could, he will likely be in the CDL by the end of the season. Um, but I love it. I love that Miami is, you know, taking a chance on him, uh, and hopefully they keep Journey on the on the bench or kind of move people around um, because it, it's kind of lame that teams just essentially release their substitute anytime they sign a new one. Um, it, it's nice when you have multiple options that that you can. Uh, you can look at when you're making a roster change and, and they have that ability if they keep journey as well as Real uh, as substitutes right now. Um, next match, New York versus Seattle. The last match on Saturday uh, debut for Brezzi who uh, took over for Illy. Um, I thought this was just weird that they didn't say anything about it. Um, like it, it's not, it doesn't happen like that almost ever usually there's a thank you or some kind of acknowledgement that this player is not uh, i don't think he's been released because if he was released then that's even worse yeah but like even okay he's going to be on the bench and we're starting brezzy in place of him usually there is something like that um seattle did put out a graphic uh, you know with brezzy in the in the graphics, so people are like, "This is a kind of a weird way to announce that he's a new starter um, for Illy." But I mean, you know, granted, we don't know all of the specifics, so maybe it makes more sense for the way they did it. Um, but it did not work out for them on the server. Uh, new York ends up sweeping the surge um, in three games. Uh, you know, not none of these maps were particularly close, um, and Brezzi ended up with a uh, 0.69 KD for the series, um, which was the lowest of any of the eight players. Um, so any thoughts on Brezzi's debut for the CDL and for C- uh, Seattle's um, you know, debut for this roster? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of like you said, the, the most interesting aspect is what happened off the server in my eyes. And 
uh, the fact that nothing about Ellie in particular is really said really just adds further fires to or adds further fuel to the fires of speculation around what's going on behind the scenes there and some potential shadow ban or, you know, yeah. a potential unofficial suspension or whatever. Um, regardless of whatever's going on there, uh, new Seattle squad didn't, you know, stack up to. Uh, a New York team that, you know, now they've won six maps in a row, counting this series, but before that, and heading into the match against Carolina, obviously, uh, it's not the same New York team that was coming off a very successful year last year, um, and even though New York played well in the qualifiers leading up to uh, Major 1, they had that, you know, stumble on land to start this year, so... Uh, if, if you're going to play that New York team at any point with a new roster, this was probably the time to try and get them, and it uh, just didn't work out for them. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation and all that around the Seattle change, and one of the, the points being that Illy was one of the better players, especially on land statistically. Um, so when you're taking away potentially the best statistical player on the team, and replacing him with anybody who's just not matching or improving those statistics, it's it's no surprise that things aren't going to work out. So let's see how this plays out and, and what comes from this, uh, how long Rezzy's in the lineup, especially if he struggles and, and Seattle struggles as a whole. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what comes from this and the rest of Seattle's action. Yeah. And, and like I said last week, it was... It's it's di even more difficult because Illy, like his prowess is an S and D, and that is also Seattle's best game mode. So you know they're struggling in hard point and control, no matter who's in the lineup at this point. Um, but if the S and D also goes, then they're gonna plummet to the bottom of the standings. Like they can't they can't win series um, if they can't win any three game any of the three game modes consistently um, and that is my fear without illy um even with illy it's it's kind of a it's going to be a chore um, and very dependent on the matchup uh, sunday february 18th we had three matches to finish out the week uh, first we had the peace og bowl the los angeles gorillas <laughs> versus the las vegas legion um interesting matchup here um i think Obviously, with Vegas debuting uh, a new iteration of their roster, Geo making his CDL debut in place of Standy. Um, I thought this was a pretty intriguing matchup. Um, and Vegas ends up winning this 3-2, but quite a few very close ma uh, maps in this series, including a 250-236 Rio hardpoint to finish out the series. Um, Geo didn't have his best series. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard for a rookie coming in uh, to make a, a big impact uh, regardless, but um, he did do pretty well in the control, um, and they won the series, which is the most important part. Um, your thoughts on Vegas's win here over LAG? Yeah, I mean, this kind of evens things up a little bit from the first PSOG Bowl where uh, Tremmy got the prediction wrong for you. Um you know, you, you stuck with Vegas here, and you got it right this time. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, my head for this one was new roster for Vegas. You don't really know what's going on. 
um, how they're going to shake up. And, you know, although LAG aren't technically a top team, they've had some flashes of brilliance and flashes of potential early in this season, and they didn't make any changes. So I thought chemistry-wise, you know, all that good stuff, they potentially had an edge in the series, but just didn't materialize that way. And uh, by far the uh, best moment from this series was Attach flipping off the camera and uh, giving the bird to... I I don't know who he would necessarily be... uh, yelling at in that because I don't, you know, maybe there's some beef with the other guys, but like, you know, thinking of Attach being a pro for so long, like Assault's the only real long-time pro on uh, LAG. Maybe it was Fame because they were, they teamed together with Fame last year. Um, Some people were speculating that he was flipping off people that were doubting like Gio coming into the lineup. Sure, sure. I mean, that's that's all speculation. He could be flipping off anybody. He could be flipping off Tremor for picking against <laughs> Vegas. So um but yeah, I, I don't I don't know who that was directed at, but um it is it is very good. I, I, I enjoy when the guys get a little spicy after the games. Oh yeah. Um and I mean hey a, a thatch dropped to one point four three in the series, eighty seven and sixty one. Uh, most kills by far in the series and the highest K D by over 0.3 so uh you put up a performance like that with those numbers i guess you can kind of do whatever you want afterwards yeah he dropped 10 in the search 32 uh, in the control so a big series from him uh minnesota versus toronto was a interesting series just because it was a lot closer than i imagined it would be um granted minnesota did have a very good performance at major one uh but toronto had the best performance um, definitely proved that they're the best team in the league. And I just thought, all right, Toronto will kind of take care of business. Um, they did in the first hard point, but round 11 search ultra just squeak it out. And then Minnesota makes the comeback forces a game five. Granted game five was a stomp, uh, a pretty rare six O uh, for Toronto, but forcing the ultra to a game five when they've looked you know leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else i thought that was really impressive um did you have the the same takeaway uh with minnesota forcing a game five against the ultra yeah i i think that's where my head's at too is that we we just saw this matchup at the major and obviously you know people can make the land versus online debate for all eternity but uh, end of the day, we just saw this on land. It was a 3-0 for Toronto, and then we see this matchup right after that. And uh, Minnesota, you know, could have gotten 3-0 in this, but they definitely made uh, Toronto work for it. So it could be signs potentially of Minnesota improving. Uh, could also be a sign of, you know, I'd have to look at what the actual maps were in that Toronto-Minnesota series at the major versus this one. Maybe some, well, I know obviously Rio wasn't played at the major, and that's one of the maps Minnesota won. But yeah. Um, Still, regardless, I I think, you know, Minnesota had a really slow start to this year in the qualifiers. At one point before the winter break, they were literally the only team without a win in, in last place. And uh, they really seem to have kicked it up a notch. And the fact they're able to get two maps here off of Toronto, that, that might be something at the end of these qualifiers. If Toronto ends up being 7-0, and or I don't even know the number of qualifier matches they're playing this, but if, if Toronto ends up undefeated at the end of these 
qualifiers, those two map ones they stole for Minnesota could play a factor in Minnesota's, you know, tiebreakers and whatnot for where they are in the uh, standings heading into the next major. Yeah, I do, I do think they play seven matches uh, online qualifiers for this. Um, and the first two maps of this series were the, the same maps of the first yeah. two maps um, in that last series. Uh, Skid Row Hardpoint to start, Karachi Search uh, as the second map. Um, bigger win for Toronto on Skid Row. And then um, the last time they played it was 6-3 on Karachi, this time 6-5 on Karachi. Um, and then uh, that first series had Invasion Control. This one had Karachi Control, which Minnesota won. They forced uh, the Rio hard point, like you said, and then uh, Invasion Search to finish it out. So, um, you know, definitely some learning experiences. I'm sure that Minnesota is taking that into account. Like, you know, you, were, you lost 6-3 on Karachi Search. Then you lost a round 11 on Karachi Search. Maybe the next time you can win round 11, maybe you can win that that map in general skid row does not look like it's it's going to be one but um the, i'm sure they've learned quite a bit from those uh two maps um the, the interesting thing about the it being the first two matches in particular uh that we're saying the first two maps sorry is yeah. that obviously the way vetoes works is that one team would be picking map one and the other team would be picking map two yeah um Based on how the veto system has worked in the past, the higher seed should get to decide whether they want to be Team A or Team B. So you would assume that in both of these matches, Toronto had that opportunity to pick which team to be. So we don't know which one of these they would have picked, but that makes you think that no matter how it shakes down, one of these teams picked map one, the other picked map two, and it's a map that both of those teams feel strong on, especially in this matchup. But at the end of the day, Toronto's 4-0 against Minnesota on these two maps in particular. So that's a little interesting to me. But, uh, you know, maybe that's something as we see this matchup inevitably a couple more times this season. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye on how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last match for the week, Optic versus LAT HBR Classic as we know it to be. Um, not a particularly competitive one. 3-0 sweep for Optic. Uh, LAT debuted a new roster, um, keeping Afro and Ghosty, but adding Crimp and Nasty into the lineup. Um, obviously, things did not work out. This is a again, Optic is a bad team to debut a roster against as well because they are a pretty strong team, uh, all things considered. Uh, map one, big blowout. Uh, map two, uh, wasn't really close uh and map three did go to a round five of the control but optic won um so uh any any thoughts uh any opinions on lat's new roster um they only had one match and it is against optics so it's kind of like the the eric boom miami thing it's kind of like all right let's see what you got next week now yeah, I mean that's a you're playing against the third place teams yeah. from major one. So if you're not gonna have the toughest two matchups since Miami had those, you you got the one right after that. Um, so yeah, even smaller sample size though too than Miami because obviously we only see LAT in one series as opposed to two. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it is interesting to see uh, Rio getting thrown into it. You know, new team kind of talked about. Um, well, I don't know if Rio was used in Challengers before the CDL or not. I don't um, think so, but I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. 
But regardless of that, um, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to me to see a new team trying out a new map and uh, giving, you know, might as well. We've, we've talked about LAT's hardpoint woes with the previous iteration. Like, you know, if, if nothing was working on those other maps, you might as well try the new one and see see what you got there. Uh, but no, in, in all seriousness, uh, going to have to see more sample size out of this LAT team to see uh, what, what they got cooking over there and if uh, we can expect any better results from them going forward. Yeah, I actually forgot, but that was something I was going to mention about Miami. They played Rio three times yeah. in the opening week. They lost all three, granted, but um, it, it looks like they're willing to try it out. It, maybe early on it's it's better to, to see what they have um, in Rio, and maybe that could be a part of the map rotation uh, going forward. Um, so that does it for the last week, uh, or the first week, our last week, uh, of the, the qualifiers, um, pretty short week. There weren't a ton of matches, um, but they're kind of spread out over a longer period now. Um, it's not as condensed. Um, so I think there are five weeks or six weeks of qualifiers for some godforsaken reason. Uh, but uh, we both did pretty well um, in this week. We both went 7-1. and one. Um, So you picked LAG over Vegas. That was your only loss. And I picked Carolina over Boston. So um, we, we kind of bet against uh, new rosters and that um, – that kind of that screwed us. I, I bet against the the new Boston roster. You bet against my boy Geo, um, my my sweet precious oh. boy Geo. Yeah, <laughs> he's debuting he's in the Peace Sox Bowl. Yeah, he's <laughs> he is literally like he is our halftime performer at the Super Bowl. Essentially, he is the the main event. Um, but we both went seven and one. So you're forty six and twenty two on the season. I'm forty seven and twenty one. Tremor still zero point zero 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 percent win percentage uh, as zero and one this season. Um, and that was a PSOG Bowl loss. So that's like like negative percentage if that, if that even was a thing um, for this kind of stuff. Um, but let's get into the matches for major two week two qualifiers. Um, Starting with Friday, February 23rd, uh, we're starting off with the Yankees and Red Sox or the Subliners and the Breach. Um, this is a Priesta revenge game. So this is potentially a, like this does feel like an actual revenge game. Like we always bring it up kind of as a joke, but this feels like there is some kind of I mean, he's he literally got dropped from the world championship team. That feels more personal than some of the other ones. I'm still gonna go with the subliners, considering they went two and zero. But I could see Boston pointing this out. Um, and Asim was also a part of the subliners, I believe, at some point. So yeah. um, more revenge games, the the better. Um, are you going with New York or Boston? Yeah, I mean, especially when you put it New York uh, Yankees versus Red Sox, I almost got to go with New York there. But I'm looking it up real quick, too. I'm pretty sure they already played uh, in the Major 1 qualifiers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, but this is a this is more real because I realized that it was happening in, in the moment. So this is the real revenge game. That was just a warm-up the last time I they played. Yeah, I can't find it. I'd have to go back and look and... God, Gamepedia is not cooperating with me right now. But, uh, yeah, regardless of the revenge game, I'm going to go with New York here. 
They did play, yes. It was 3-2 yeah. the last week of the qualifiers on Major 1 um, for New York. Um, but, again, this is more real. So, uh, Minnesota versus Optic. Um, breakdown. I always think of breakdown now that Optic and Minnesota play. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Optic, but Minnesota has looked really good over the past few weeks. Yeah, I'm going to go with Optic too, but it could be an upset alert here. This one, I have absolutely no idea where to go. Yep. Uh, Miami versus Vegas. Miami went 0-2 uh, in their first week with Eric Boom. Um, they've lost, I think, four straight matches now, um, You know, dating back to Major 1. They went 0-6 at Major 1. They've won one map, so they've lost, what is that, you know, Oh, 12 of their last 13 maps as a team granted it is a different roster a uh, different iteration of the roster i'm gonna go with vegas maybe the momentum of the legion picking up that first win with geo um you know even if he didn't play his best uh, maybe that can help them overcome the heretics yeah, and I'm going to go with Miami purely because I have no idea where my head is at with this one, and I just want to have a pick that's different from you, so we have a potential shift in the uh, pick-up standings. Yeah, uh, Vegas versus Toronto. I don't believe in my boy Geo and the Legion like that, so I'm going to go with the Ultra. Yeah, I'm going to go with Toronto. Uh, LAG versus Optic. I also don't believe in LAG like that, so I'm going to go with Optic. I will go with Optic as well. And then we're back to another match that we have no <laughs> idea what's going on with. Uh, Miami, again, they finish out Saturday against the Los Angeles Thieves, who have played one match, three maps total, with this new roster uh, with Nasty in the lineup. Um, and let me try to... Who is the other guy? Nasty and... Kremp. Kremp, thank you. I always, I always forget at least one person per episode. So uh, congratulations mm -hmm. to Krim. Um, but LAT has very minimal experience with this roster. Miami has pretty minimal experience um, with Eric Boom in the lineup. Um, I, I'll, I'll go with Miami. I, I feel very confident that LAT <laughs> is actually bad this year. Um, granted, they might make me look stupid with this, this pick, but I'm going to go with the Heretics. Yeah, I'm going to go with Miami, too, just because, I mean, I don't know what to expect from either team, but um, at least earlier in the season, yeah. Miami had some success in online matches against weaker teams. LAT looked like one of the weaker teams, so that's where my head's at with this one. I'll take Miami. That is literally my thought process. Like, I can picture the Heretics winning because they, they won more matches than LAT. I, I just can't actually envision lat winning but i'm sure they'll make me pay for that um probably sunday february 25th we have three matches uh seattle versus carolina i i really don't know um i think these are the two best rookies uh or two of the best because i think snoopy's also had a, a really good season but um abuza has looked really good gwen as you've been shouting him out pretty much on every episode um, despite the record, he's had really good individual performances. Um, I'm going to go with Carolina because I have no idea what Seattle's supposed to be good at with Brezzy. Yep. Maybe more matches will give me a better idea, but right now I'm going to go with the Ravens. And that was my thought process here is, uh, you know, I'm on the Gwynn train, uh, two teams again. Um, 
especially for small sample size for new Seattle, but don't really know what to expect from them. And kind of like you mentioned, when we were talking about Seattle earlier, uh, Seattle's strength with Illy was S&D. He's no longer a factor, and Carolina just won two S&Ds this past week. Seemed to be improving in the mode, especially with the S&D talent they have. So uh, I'm going to go with Gwen carrying in the respawns and then the S&D guys stepping up in there to uh, help Carolina get a, uh, a win here. Yeah. Minnesota, Boston. Um, I I want to go with Minnesota, but also I like Asim. Like I <laughs> I I'll go with Boston. I'm not feeling okay. great about it. Not to you know full disclosure, I had Boston down, and this was the only one I I. I flipped the script on it and I switched to Minnesota, so it's definitely possible that comes back to bite me. But yeah, I just think after thinking about it for a little bit, Minnesota's been playing really well lately, and you know, even kind of like we highlighted, they they don't get a win against Toronto, but not really anybody is except for Boston, I guess. Which you know that that could be a narrative, but um, regardless, the Minnesota just played them really tough, them being Toronto, so uh, things seem to be on a positive trajectory for Minnesota, and uh, that's what I'm going to pick them here. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, I, I think Minnesota might be a little bit overrated. Um, like, I don't think they're the fourth best team in the league, but I, I think that's what they are in the standings at the moment. Yeah. Uh, no, they're they're just outside. They're, they're fifth. Um, but I, I don't think Boston is necessarily the, the third to worst team like they are in the standings. So um, I think they're decently even um and it'll be a competitive series um final match of the weekend is a banger um always love these championship contenders playing each other atlanta phase versus the new york subliners um new york online has looked really really good uh you know the the land stuff really bad um but phases looked good all the time just like they've only lost to Toronto really. So like, I'm not going to hold that against them too much. Um, So I'm going to go with phase. Yep. You can do two phase up. Give me Atlanta. So that does it for the predictions. Um, I don't think we have anything else to talk about, Um, but thank you guys for watching. Oh, I I did want to just give a brief update on the standings. Um, Not the, the major two qualifiers because some teams only played one match, but this is the season standings. So Toronto first place, um, they're ahead by 25 points. So a little bit of a cushion over Atlanta phase. Who's in second phase has a 45 point advantage on optic and third optics got a 30 point advantage on New York and fourth. Um, and then it starts to bunch up a little bit. New York has 80 points. Minnesota in fifth has 75 Seattle in sixth has 60 and then Miami and LAG are tied for 7th uh, and 8th with 50 points. So that's your top 8 right now. So if the season ended today, the teams that would not make it to champs would be Vegas, Boston, Carolina, and LAT, who seem like the four, maybe Boston could be lifted out of there at some point. Um, but it, it does seem like there's a pretty clear like top 5 at the moment. And then right now we're looking at maybe these new rosters will change that. Um, but Boston right now is in 10th Vegas is in ninth. Uh, so 
Vegas is 15 points behind LAG. Uh, then Boston is five points behind Vegas. And then Carolina in 11th is five points behind Boston. And LAT, the def- the world champions from two years ago, granted, nobody is there from that world championship roster, but they are dead last in the CDL at the moment with 20 points. They are two and seven on the season, a 10 and 23 map count. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, but that is your CDL standings update. Um, I did want to just do that because we'll, we'll start doing the, uh, the major two qualifiers update once teams have actually played substantial matches and we can kind of look at what teams need to do over the, the remaining uh, few weeks of the qualifiers. Um, but yeah, that does it for the show. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, or follow the podcast feed wherever you're listening or watching on. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, and uh, you should like all of those. You should subscribe to every single thing that has ever existed that re- pertains to the Ego Child podcast. You should follow us on Twitter. Uh, he is at jbink with two Ks. I'm at Prez Byers, and the podcast store is at Ego Child Podcast. The next show will be sometime next week. Um, Could be Sunday, could be Monday, could be Tuesday, could be Wednesday. We don't know, so don't ask. And we will, but we will be back to talk about some CDL. Um, We'll be talking about how the Miami Heretics ended up with a 2-0 week and what we're supposed to make (laughs) of that. Um, Maybe we'll be talking about Minnesota upsetting Optic and whether that has anything to do with accuracy and i mean if if accuracy in minnesota be optic again i'm gonna i think he should be king of optic at that point like he kind of owns it he's kind of like the contractor for the green wall he can kind of build it and he can break it down wherever he wants Eh, Um, interesting debate there could be you know is the ice man too much for optic I'm going to say, is he the new age Aches? Obviously, you know, Aches historically was the guy who, you know, you needed someone to take down the green wall. Uh, you know, that's your guy, but now with Aches no longer competing, does accuracy fill that role? Um, and side note, Aches did tweet uh, with the, the Hex and Skump lawsuit stuff after um, we were talking about that earlier that uh, he tweeted something like when he woke up the next day after the tweets and like it was fake. Uh, text from Activision and missed calls like saying we need you or whatever <laughs> yeah. and I thought that was potentially one of the greatest tweets I ever saw this obviously in a taking you know making fun uh, not making fun but making a joke of a, a very serious legal situation like that and, and all the seriousness of that aside I thought that was a very uh, entertaining tweet Aches is never wrong he's just early remember that <laughs> um uh Accuracy, he can be the antagonist, but he needs to be more of an antagonist. He's just kind of like, he's kind of like Eli Manning against the Patriots. Like he just like by himself, just like yeah. I I don't know why more people don't do this. Um, yeah, uh, the Ice Man is great. Um, but yeah, that does it for the the podcast. We will be back next week to talk about the matches and give our predictions for the third week of qualifiers. Um, but that does it for me. Bink, take it away. Yeah, thank you guys as always for all the support. And we'll see you right back here when, whenever we decide to go live with the next week of stuff to talk about. Who knows? Maybe we'll have another uh, surprise lawsuit to talk about too on top of the games again. But uh, until then, we'll see you next time. And remember to send the chow.